Welcome all to my conversation with Philip Nicholas. Philip is a friend of mine from Warwick, and Philip is also a Hegel scholar. Uh, he'll say a bit uh, about his PhD project. Philip is currently in Heidelberg, funded by the DAAD on a research stay at the university there. And we will today have a, uh, an experimental conversation on the beginning of the science of logic by Hegel of the Wissenschaftslogik on the question of being. So, Philip, Feel free to introduce yourself. Thank you, Hannes, and thank you for uh, bringing me onto your channel. Um, I think it's a great pleasure and a great privilege. Uh, so I am currently a PhD student at the University of Warwick, supervised under uh, Professor Stephen Holgate. My thesis is titled Freedom's Negativity, Hegel's Logic of Self-Determination. Mm -hmm. So I'm interested in Hegel, Kant, German idealism, also Spinoza, Plato, Bataille, and also literature and poetry. Yes, you're a poet too. We should maybe mention this. A very yes, good poet. I, I, well, I don't know about good, but I, I aspire. I have poetic ambitions, yeah. <laughs> very good. Um, well, what we'll try to do, so the, the topic is self-determination maybe you can say a bit about what this means in terms of hegel um and and i think you basically work mostly with the signs of logic is that correct that's right yeah so um usually when people discuss freedom with in terms of hegel they always do it in reference to his uh, philosophy of spirit or the politics and ethics and so forth but rarely is it sort of examined just what freedom itself is in Hegel. And in the science of logic, in the third part, the subjective logic, Hegel says we enter into the realm of freedom, um, and the realm of the concept, and okay, so what does Hegel mean that we're entering into this realm? Why does he call the concept freedom in the logic? So this is yes. what I'm examining in my thesis. And I think it's so that's, a very yeah. important logical relation. Exactly. So it's not. So it's it's still ethical, but it begins as always for Hegel. It must be determined properly in logic. Is that appropriate? To put it like this, how would you put it? Well, I would say it's it's an ontological conception of freedom, and that will have a bearing upon how we view nature and how we view ourselves as human beings and our human-to-human -human relations. So it's kind of the foundation for, for all these things, yeah. And how, and for someone maybe has never heard of the science of logic or the Wissenschaftslogik, how, where does it sit in Hegel's philosophy or perhaps even on a grander scale in terms of the entirety of Western metaphysics or, and or philosophy? Mm, right. So it, in Hegel's philosophy, it sits as the general investigations of our forms of thought as the forms of thought. So Hegel takes up the tradition of metaphysics in investigating what there is, but also he takes up the legacy from Kant in being critical or self-critical about the ways in which we think what there is. So it has to become um, thought's own introspection into itself. 
right? We have to develop our categories or determinations and our structures. And well, how do we do that? Well, we have to kind of start from the very beginning. Hmm. And like it's first philosophy and similar to what Descartes is doing, right? Like how do we how are we certain about anything in the first place? How do we know? Well, before we know, before we have certainty, before we have all these determinate forms, let us go even deeper and just be self even more self-critical to the point where we um, simply th think thoughts own immediacy to itself. And so the, the, the beginning of the logic is being, That's I right. suppose. Mm -hmm. But what do we make of being? Should we read it, the passage? Yeah, let's, uh, let's uh, read some text. Okay, I've got the German here. I can start. Do you have the English? I have the English, yeah. Okay, so <clears throat> Sein. Sein, reines Sein, ohne alle weitere Bestimmung. In seiner unbestimmten Unmittelbarkeit ist es nur sich selbst und auch nicht ungleich gegen anderes. Hat keine Verschiedenheit innerhalb seiner noch nach außen. What's in English? Do you want me to read English? Yes. Okay. Being, pure being, without further determination. In its indeterminate immediacy, it is equal only to itself and also not unequal with respect to another. It has no difference within it, nor any outwardly. Durch irgendeine Bestimmung oder Inhalt, der in ihm unterschieden oder wodurch es als Unterschieden von einem anderen gesetzt würde, würde es nicht in seiner Reinheit festgehalten. Mhm. Go on. Um, if any determination or content were posited in it as distinct, or if it were posited by this determination or content as distinct from another, it would thereby fail to hold fast to its purity. Very good. I'll read the rest of it now in German. Es ist die reine Unbestimmtheit und Lehre. Es ist nichts in ihm anzuschauen, wenn von Anschauen hier gesprochen werden kann oder es ist nur dies reine Lehre anschauen selbst. Es ist ebenso wenig etwas in ihm zu denken oder es ist ebenso nur dies Lehre denken. Das Sein, das Unbestimmte, Unmittelbare ist in der Tat nichts und nicht mehr, noch weniger als nichts. Genau. It is, pure yeah. Yeah, it, it is pure indeterminateness and emptiness. There is nothing to be intuited in it, if one can speak here of intuiting. Or it is only this pure empty intuiting itself. Just as little is anything to be thought in it, or it is equally only this empty thinking. Being the indeterminate immediate is in fact nothing, and neither more nor less than nothing. Neither more nor less than nothing. So this is the so, beginning of the science of logic. Yes, go on. Yes. Yeah, so how do you want to uh, approach this? Do you want to... My, my question is, why does it begin with pure being in this manner? Why does it have to begin with pure being? Or does it have to begin with pure being? Well, how would you... Why do you, why do you think that is?
Mm. So we need to be careful when we think about beginnings. Because Hegel is very explicit in the introduction or in the essay what, with what must science begin, that when we're th thinking about being, we shouldn't really be thinking of it as a start for something else, right? Because if you think of it as a start, then you've already started, and therefore you're thinking about the end. And so where there's lots of distinct things happening here. But Hegel's point is something much more simple, right? The, it's, it's the... It's, yeah, it's exactly uh, simplicity um, that is empty and without determination. So the, the be it begins with, no, it, so, it, so being is not the beginning, or is it the beginning? Um, it is what uh, becomes the case when we abstract or when we, have, when we resolve to think pure thought for itself, which we can say means abstracting from everything determined. Okay. Um, and why does he do that? Why is it, why is it necessary? Maybe, maybe we have to introduce the notion of presuppositionless thinking. Hegel mm -hmm. wants to think without presupposition, and you're someone who takes this seriously. The question mm -hmm. is, though, why does he need to or want to think, or thinks that it's necessary to think without presupposition? Well, he thinks uh, one way of approaching this is that he thinks that this is necessarily the result if we start with anything else. So like an assumption, let's say there is a subject and over there is an object, right? This is the basic structure of consciousness, which um, um, defines his phenomenology spirit. Uh, but Hegel wants to be, uh, you know, uh, Socratic in spirit. He doesn't want to just brush off uh, assumptions and say, ah, they're false, we'll, we'll not uh, go that way. No, no, he says, okay, we'll take that seriously and see where it leads. And in Hegel's, um, uh, ver uh, if Hegel is right, then it leads to a standpoint of science or philosophy, as he sees it. And so... If we want to enter into the discipline of being philosophical, being uh, self-critical, and being presuppositionless, then this becomes necessarily the starting point for this project. So being in this manner shows itself necessarily as the starting point, as so-called, and it's without any determination because what must be warded off immediately is the understanding or let's say Vorstellung, right? It's representation that must be warded off, no? Uh, yeah, so, so Verstand und Vorstellung, yeah, beide. Yeah. So, so at this point, like, if we're going to be self-critical and we're going to ask questions, right? We, yeah. cannot, we, cannot be, we cannot start with any given ready-made framework, right? If we're serious about this, then everything has to be put to question. and. Uh, so uh, we cannot appeal to any sort of distinctions or knowledge that we think we have about anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, difficulty here, I think, is exactly in suspending all the things we think we know and just yeah. see what follows from that. So it, it, this is why he, let, let's see, look at this again. And you pointed this out you know, really well just now. 
just the being pure being. That's the first three words here. Sein, reines Sein. Being pure being, right? Yeah. And then there's a dash. Yes. And then it just says, without further determination, right? And so yeah. it's not even like a complete sentence at the beginning. Exactly. It's, it's, not, it's not a sentence in, in the proper grammatical sense. It is, there's no mm -hmm. verb. It's just being, mm -hmm. comma, pure being, comma, as you yeah. put on it, dash or hy hyphen, ohne yeah. alle weitere Bestimmung, without any further determination. It's, this is what, so in, it, this sentence, or just this fragment. beginning, fragment, very good, wards off representation. Vorstellung, anything that tries to, oh, so being, right? So what is it? Is it, is it this? Is it that? What does it do? What, like what, what kind of being do you talk about, right? Yeah, or so, yes, exactly yeah. what kind of an entity. There's, 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 and this is why so it's without any further determination, full stop, period. And then, of course, you can begin to say a bit more, which is that it, it's utterly indeterminate he's just repeating it and as such utterly immediate and it's only equivalent or equal or identical with itself as you said there's no distinction that can be made but this is this movement of let's be self-critical let's criticize thought let's see the you know what is it that happens in thought this is the project mm -hmm. right this is what yeah after kant very importantly maybe you could say a bit more about why it is that this has to happen after Kant, or what it is that happens with Kant, right? Because Kant doesn't write a benign epistemology. He's mm -hmm. doing something a bit more uh, profound, perhaps. Mm. Yeah. So I think Kant is very good for Hegel because he kind of establishes that, okay, in any account we give of what there is, right, metaphysics, that account has to include its own account giving. So yeah. um, and so uh, metaphysics necessarily has to take the form of a critique. Right? So this is what Hegel is sort of grumpy about when, with regards to Spinoza. Right? But Spinoza gives us the definitions, the substance, attributes. Yes. Right? But we don't see the development from one to the other. And towards the, that uh, work, we don't really have a satisfactory understanding of its own understanding built into itself, right? Yeah, Leibniz and Spinoza are still, are still um, if you like, natural philosophers. It's all natural substances. It's ultimately grounded something in something in nature. Um, and it's not pure thought. And what Kant, I mean, you know, the reason why Kant is Kant is not because he sits in Königsberg and writes an interesting epistemology. He is not writing an epistemology. It's a logic, uh, the critical system. And it's ultimately the, you know, the, it's the first time in 2000 years that thinking begins to question itself. And I said, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. what, what's, the, what's the presupposition of the identity between being and thought, which was simply assumed by Parmenides? and mm -hmm. anyone else after right it's, it's the question of identity that becomes a is a the, the, these that that be, becomes questionable in the critical philosophy not not a system the critical philosophy is not a system it's it was supposed to be the groundwork for a system of course we know that 
the problem of Khan mm-hmm. is that reason separates itself so much that it, it never comes back together. It's then actually it's the genius in the, in mm-hmm. the third critique that's capable to some degree to bring to, to bring together Anschauung and Verstand and and um, but yeah, it's, he's too analytical if you like. Uh, yeah. But then after Kant, it's Hegel who completes this. I guess you could say, right? Yeah, via Fichte and Schelling, they also make improvements on the on Kant, yeah. and then yeah, yeah. Hegel takes takes it up from there. Right. So the, the science of logic again is is you know for someone like like Heidegger, the science of logic is the culmination of Western metaphysics. It's that that's where it is and it's it's the fulfill it's the completion almost um mm-hmm. not not in the negative sense right so this this uh, reception of heidegger who, who who claims that heidegger thinks of metaphysics as a pejorative uh they're quite mm-hmm. wrong um no he sees in hegel the the last great thinker and he says you know, we have to take this seriously by the way being in time heidegger says explicitly becomes necessary because of hegel to think being and time because time is um, getilked is dissolved in the concept. This is why time for Heidegger becomes a problem. Something that many Heideggerians haven't uh, picked up on yet, which is interesting also. But let's let's come back to this here. So, without any further determination, that that that's why being shows that there is just no just no distinction, um, no determination, no content. It's empty. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it shows itself to be nothing. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned Parmenides, and uh, Hegel does talk about Parmenides in the remarks following this. And he is both happy and unhappy with Parmenides. Because um, with Parmenides, uh, what he's happy with is that um, thought begins to think of itself in philosophical terms, right? So. It's not that there hasn't been metaphysical attempts before this, before Parmenides, but it was always as a kind of representation or a simile or a metaphor or something as a sort of substitute to something else. So like Thales, everything is water, right? Yeah, 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 Um, exactly, yeah. But with being, thought sort of thinks of itself in its own explicit terms. And it's this explicit, explicit, that Hegel thinks is really important and that jumpstarts the discipline of philosophy, right? Yes. That we're not just doing symbols and associations like as a religion, uh, making images for what we think is the thing. No, no, the thing is really there, right? And we are very explicit about it. And this is just to mention the the Greek, uh, uh, one of the words used in in Parmenides is the word chre, or chri, I think the Greeks would say. They always correct my pronunciation, which means it is necessary. It is mm-hmm. necessary to think, mm-hmm. being and thought. And of course, you know, Hegel is not, you know, uh, neither is Kant. It's just that thought itself comes to that critical point within itself where it has to think of its own presuppositions. And then Hegel takes it, if I understand this correctly, takes it to the utmost ex- extreme, we could I don't know if that's fair to say, put it like this, but takes this to its, well, yeah, I'll just put it like this for now. 
to its maximum and has to think what thought is like without presupposition. This is how we end up with being, pure being, without any further determination. Is that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a, exactly right. That it's, it's taking this criterion of self, being self critical to its utmost extreme. So, like, and what's Descartes ends up with, you know, um, I think therefore I am. But Hegel is just thought is. Yes, and not just with I think therefore I am, but also with the thinking thing, a res cogitans, mm -hmm. which is all, which is again giving you know simplistic substance, which already, which is in, in Aristotle, if I remember Aristotelian metaphysics rightly, is already here. It's that's no longer that's already a, a derivative form of thought. Um, but then, what what is it? Because I interrupted you there before. Sorry, you said you know there's something that what what Hegel does not about Parmenides that he wouldn't be in full agreement with, which is what? Ah, yes, right. So the thing he is unhappy with is that Parmenides just stays with being. And so you have yeah. being is being <laughs> is being is being is being, right? But, yeah, but as we already read from this paragraph, well, I'm sorry, Parmenides, tough luck, but being is actually, being is nothing. Okay, that, but you see, that this, I mean, just to point this out again, that this is not, something that happens on the purely argumentative level. This is something within thought itself. This is how thought itself unfolds, because already in, uh, in, in antiquity, to be a Parmenidean, being is being is being is being, to quote uh, Stephen Holgate, uh, Spinoza was a member of the Parmenides Appreciation Club, yeah, um, that's right. That's because something you said when I was... Because substance is substance is substance, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> and and the, then you get to the paradoxes, right? You get to the paradox of Sino. So you have the paradox of the, the arrow, uh, or, you know, is there movement or not, if you, all there is is being. But then you have Gorgias, yeah. Gorgias, Gorgias, yeah. uh, who is yeah. the first nihilist yeah. in Western thought, because he's just the other side of Parmenides. So when you stay with being is being is being is being is being, it crowds out nothing. And then you end up in the worst position, which could be not, nothing is nothing, right? The world is nothing. It's nothing with the world. This is nichts mit der Welt. Yeah. So this is, and, and Hegel then tries to, or as you pointed out, actually thinking being in this utter indeterminateness reveals that being is nothing. And then we move on to nothing already. Yes. Necessarily. So yeah, so Sorry, yeah. this I think this I think is uh, very important when he says, um, if any determination or content were posited in it as distinct, or if it posited by this determination or content as distinct from another, it would thereby fail to hold fast to its purity. So we must be thinking pure being, right? Because if we're thinking the being of X or Y or Z or whatever, being in contrast to something, okay, forget it. We're no longer thinking pure being, and therefore you would not get the result of nothing. So you can think of this as a kind of test, right? If you're really thinking pure being, then you're already thinking nothing, would, would, would be Hegel's, um, Hegel's argument here. But as you say, as you say, this is Hegel's like um, examining the movement of thought. He's not giving us a kind of case or an opinion of what he thinks happens when he sits down in front of a, fireplace and observes a certain thing, right? It's not doxa. 
<lacht> genau. <lacht> es ist nicht, es ist nicht Doxa. Um, so, yes, uh, you, 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 you pointed it out, but what would happen if, if, if one were to say, oh, it's the being of the human being, as Heidegger does with Dasein, right? Mm-hmm. In being in time. Oh, it's the yeah. being of something. Then that's yeah. already foreshadowing. That's already the, the logic of understanding would it, or, or, or say representation, right? And this, so it's not well, staying well, with... For, Yeah, so for Hegel, I think at this point, that would just be an adding a distinction, right? Whether that distinction is of a representational yeah. nature, Verstand, or whatever, that is not so important as the fact that yeah. it's just a distinction. It's a form of determinism. Okay, so, it, yeah. so we, we must stay strictly with indeterminacy to get... To, and also to, to, to do what? To let unfold um, thought itself to let it mm-hmm. unfold without presupposition. Yeah. And it all, I mean, what, what we get to is being turns into nothing and then that turns into becoming and they all consume, like it, it does, they don't disappear, but they disappear, but they disappear in the next step, if you like, if, if step is the right mm-hmm. word, the next level or so. Uh, okay, that that is, uh, yeah, that is more further along the way. So maybe we should... Yeah. Uh, Continue we should stay. Yes, I know. Okay, just for anyone listening, it, when you read the logic and you take a course in the logic, it usually takes eight weeks to get beyond being and nothing, uh, and then you spend about two more weeks on becoming, and that's and that's the first term. But that's appropriate because the the thought is so massive to stay with just pure being. Yeah, it's and, it's, it. and, and, and there's a reason why Hegel brings up Parmenides because he thinks that not only is this a conceptual Uh, starting point, but it's also a historical starting point for philosophy as a discipline. And there's a lot of, so it's an achievement, right? It's a, yeah, a, yeah. Of, th- of, think, of thought. So you wanted to go on with should we move to be uh, nothing? <laughs> no, let's move on with nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Do you? <laughs> <laughs> should, it, should we read it again or did you want to say something else? No, no. Let's, uh, okay, let's just... okay, I'll do the same thing again. Um, okay. So in, in German first. Nichts. Mm. Das reine Nichts. Es ist einfache Gleichheit mit sich selbst, vollkommene Leerheit, Bestimmungslos und Inhaltslosigkeit und Unterschiedenheit in ihm selbst. In English? Nothing. Pure nothingness. It is simple equality with itself. Complete emptiness, complete absence of determination and content. Lack of all distinction within. Okay, I'll read the rest of it in German, then you can read the English. Insofern mm. anschauen oder denken hier erwähnt werden, so gilt es als ein Unterschied, ob etwas oder nichts angeschaut oder gedacht wird. Nichts anschauen oder denken hat also eine Bedeutung. Beide werden unterschieden, so ist, existiert, Nichts in unserem Anschauen oder Denken. Oder vielmehr ist es das leere Anschauen und Denken selbst. Und dasselbe leere Anschauen oder Denken als das reine Sein. Nichts ist somit dieselbe Bestimmung oder vielmehr Bestimmungslosigkeit und damit überhaupt dasselbe, was das reine Sein ist. Hmm. Insofar as mention can be made here of intuiting and thinking, it makes a difference whether something or nothing is being intuited or thought. To intuit or to think nothing has therefore a meaning. 
The two are distinguished, and so nothing is, concretely exists. In our intuiting or thinking, or rather it is the empty intuiting and thinking itself, like your being. Nothing is, therefore, the same determination, or rather the absence of determination, and thus altogether the same as what pure being is. So, nothing, pure nothing. But here he doesn't have to make a dash, because nothing is pure nothing. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's like, uh, you're not really supposed to say anything about nothing, because if you do, you're not yes. really talking about nothing. Right? So it's a kind yeah. of like catch-22 situation. But it shows itself to be, as being did, nothing shows itself to be being. Mm -hmm. Or or it is dasselbe. So it doesn't say that it is being actually here. I think it says that it is the same as pure being. What do you make of this passage in general? The whole paragraph? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's tricky, I find. A little bit more tricky going from nothing back to being than going from being to nothing. Um, Because he does talk about intuiting and thinking, which makes things a little bit difficult and vague. Um, Yeah. But I think that his point is that if that nothing is and therefore nothing has being and therefore it is not nothing anymore it is being right anymore so, so there's already sorry yeah yeah so sorry so go there's, on there's already development then yes okay so there's some so, development yes go on yes so insofar as you think nothing is yeah. It's being again. Ah, and then it moves that that's how it moves back to to being. Yeah. Yeah. I mean this is and difficult. Then, <laughs> and then and then yeah. you know you think being and then you it's nothing again, right? Okay, so this but, is what happens but, here. Yeah, sorry, go on. Yeah. Yeah, so notice how um each, both of these two, being and nothing, yes. don't refer to each other. Uh huh. It's like um, the in being. Being doesn't have any sense of, sort of sense that it's a result of nothing or that it will lead to something. Right? It's just being, and we have to hold fast to its purity. Same for nothing. Nothing <laughs> wouldn't be nothing if it was the result of something else or if it's going somewhere. Right? It's, okay, it's, in, yeah. it's, in, it's in its own sort of, let's say, presence that it alters. Okay. okay, that was very good what you pointed out because that, so we stay with being pure being. We stay with it. We, we can say a few things like, you know, it's utterly indeterminate, it's immediacy, etc. Mm-hmm. But that, then it turns out to be nothing. 
Mm-hmm. So that, that that just pop pops up if you like. So we have to move on to nothing and think. It flips through over. Yeah. Nothing flips over, and then we have to think through nothing. Mm-hmm. What is nothing? The little that we can say, if there is something that we can say, pure nothing, nothingness, then it's without any content, without determination, utterly empty, uh, and identical with itself. The same, say, there's a sameness with itself. No, mm-hmm. no distinction again. And then, to simplify matters, it flips back to pure being again mm-hmm. because it shows mm-hmm. itself to be dasselbe, the same as being because it's also utterly indeterminate and utterly does he say actually yeah. no it's utterly without determination at least yes mm-hmm. yeah so it's it's almost like um soon as we begin to distinguish the two we're no longer really talking about nothing right we are back mm-hmm. to being Okay. As he, as, as he writes, to intuit or to think nothing therefore has a meaning. The two are distinguished, and so nothing is in our intuiting or thinking, or rather this empty intuiting or thinking itself, like, rather it is this empty intuiting and thinking itself, like pure being. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And hence, he moves on to the next, which is becoming. Um, yeah, which has... Or is that, uh, are, are we moving too quickly now? Uh, no, I'm happy, too... to, I'm happy to go on for, with the <laughs> bit of becoming. To... <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> becoming. But, so, I mean, we have, we have, Hegel has, you know, we, we haven't, we, know, we, we are, uh, best case, we are uh, janitors of this cathedral uh, of thought. Uh, yeah, but uh, we have to um, engage with the very same, uh, very same content on okay, yeah. that content's own terms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is very important. Also, is that this? You know, this is a, a brief moment once once this once the logic occurs. But it's also it's it's what thought. Is it is it correct to say it's what the thought always already? Does is the wrong word, perhaps, or how thought always already occurs, or was um, already already has, always already has occurred. So this will some will be something we read in the becoming section because yeah. we're not really um, grasping being passing over to nothing. We only grasp being as it has passed over to nothing, and nothing as it has passed over to being. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, well, just to to frame this again in terms of so we had Parmenides. Being is being is being is being. Then we have someone like Gorgias, who is a Parmenidean, more or less, who is the first nihilist, who turns on the flip side. Then it's nothing with the world. Um, what Hegel is trying to do is to radically think the identity and non the identity of non identity between being and nothing, because being shows itself to be nothing or has shown itself to be nothing once it's thought collapses into or vanishes into nothing. And nothing flips back into being, which is then why it's fair to say, as the next section does, there's a unity of being and nothingness, mm-hmm. or a unity of being and nothing, which is that the German says, and you can read the English, das reine sein und das reine nichts ist also dasselbe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, just a 
um, point to with regards to what you said. Um, I think we need to be very careful about not thinking in terms of between. Right. Okay. Yeah. So being is nothing. Nothing is being. Right. If we think of something in between these two, right, then we are we are starting to introduce a third thing here, right, and how uh, how is that third thing supposed to interact between these two things which we have now taken in their absoluteness, namely pure being and pure nothing? So it's more like um, the so the analogy Hegel uses in the remarks. It's more like light and darkness, right? You see just as little in pure uh, incandescent brightness as you see in absolute darkness. Right? Mm -hmm. There is as little determination of the two, and yet there is some difference going on. We will, we will in the section on becoming. He'll he'll delve into a bit about that this difference, right? Because right now we are kind of making an identity between being and nothing. We are say, we're talking about a. They're both equally indeterminate or their lack of determination. Right? But this dangerously just seems to efface all difference such that, ah, maybe there was no being and nothing to begin with. Maybe it's just being. So it's important to maintain the distinction between the two, even though it doesn't look like there can be any distinction. Right? You see uh, what I'm... Yes, yeah, so I'm... Yes. Brilliant, because... What you just said is that then it, then it shows itself to be necessary, imminently necessary, that a distinction needs to be made or else it just collapses back into pure being. And then it's, then it's just Parmenides and then it's just uh, Iliotism all over again. Yeah, but, right? but, if Hegel is, but, but if Hegel is right, that is impossible to being in love. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then, then a distinction needs to be made, and that's okay. But th is this how becoming comes about, or no? This is not quite. Maybe we should read text, and then yes, we yes. can. Yes, yes. Let's read the text. Um, yeah. Okay. So das reine sein, das reine nichts ist also dasselbe. Yeah. Which is in English the first sentence. Pure being and pure nothing are therefore the same. Okay, let's see how long is it. That's not too long. I read the rest of it. Was die Wahrheit ist, ist weder das Sein noch das Nichts, sondern dass das Sein in Nichts und das Nichts in Sein nicht übergeht, sondern übergegangen ist. Aber mm. ebenso sehr ist die Wahrheit nicht ihre Ununterschiedenheit, sondern mm. Dass sie nicht dasselbe, dass sie absolut unterschieden, aber ebenso ungetrennt und untrennbar sind und unmittelbar jedes in seinem Gegenteil verschwindet. Ihre Wahrheit ist also diese Bewegung des unmittelbaren Verschwindens des einen in dem anderen, das Werden. Eine Bewegung, worin beide unterschieden sind, aber durch einen Unterschied, der sich ebenso unmittelbar aufgelöst hat. Mhm. Ja. The truth is neither being nor nothing, but rather that being has passed over into nothing and nothing into being. Has passed over, not passes over. But the truth is just as much that they are not without distinction. It is rather that they are not the same. 
that they are absolutely distinct, yet equally unseparated and inseparable, and that each immediately vanishes in its opposite. Their truth is therefore this movement of the immediate vanishing of the one into the other, becoming a movement in which the two are distinguished, but by a distinction which has just as immediately dissolved itself. Now we're getting into Heraclitean territory. Yes, it's, you know, because a superficial understanding of the history of philosophy is that Parmenides talks about being, and then the other guy, Heraclitus, talks about becoming, and that's kind of a tension. Uh, and then Plato does something with the theory of forms. But no, it's, it's actually, it's, it's not because someone had the opinion over here and someone else had an opinion over here. And also about Heraclitus, you know, I'm not really sure if the philosopher of Logos is really just talking about everything being in flux either. Um, but uh, it, it, it's, 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 again, in thought itself that these two positions become or are necessary. And mm -hmm. what yeah, yeah, yeah. Hegel... Yeah, go on. Yeah, these, these, these positions are... There's a logic in these positions. Yes. And it is a logic that pertains to the nature of what thought is and how thought is comprehending itself. And for Hegel's, um, you know, much later position, he says that he's following or sort of um, uh, devising the conceptual development of these uh, positions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just maybe um, because perhaps it's relevant to mention this just briefly, how, you know, what we're talking about ultimately is if you have a broader term, it's German idealism, or the, the peak of German idealism is Hegel. And that begins, if you like, more or less, when Hölderlin, Schelling, and Hegel are roommates <laughs> tubing in. And With they read, 16 others. Yeah, well, <laughs> but it was, them, it, was, it was these three who yeah. read Heracletos, and yeah. what's now fragment B50, which is... Uh, I think it's this uk emu alatulogu akusantes homologain sophon estin hen pantaenai. Not to me, but to the logos, listen, for it is wise to say hen pantaenai. One is many, everything is one. Hen mm pantaenai. -hmm. This sentence, hen pantaenai, that's what mm -hmm. they're all trying. Schelling, Hölderlin, Hölderlin, of course, was his poetry. And, and, and Schelling with his philosophy of nature, and Hegel tried to solve. Mm -hmm. This is what, what the logic tries to think, I think, also, is, is hen panteina, is this, is this, you know... Yeah, it's as you say, it's trying to think it, it but it's not trying to solve it, right? It's, it's not well, a, yes. <laughs> it's not like a technical problem that, oh, shit, it's just like dumped on us there and there. Okay, that, that's okay. That's also very important because this is something I tried to make in another. So I, I made a, a video lecture on um, one of my papers on Kant's problem. No, no, not not the problem. We will haven't done this yet. It was on lying, the murder at the door, mm -hmm. and there have been. You know, this is an, an entire industry is devoted to solving this problem, and what, one of the ways it was done was by applying the four different. Uh, formulations of the categorical imperative to this problem, which is that's no longer thought. 
we've been no longer thinking. We're trying, first of all, trying to solve it as if it were a technical problem. Second, the categorical imperative in a book that's entitled The Groundwork of a Metaphysics of Morals is certainly not something that can or should be applied. Um, so say, say, you know, I'll say it again what you said. It's thinking thought. Mm-hmm. It's not solving, it's yeah. thinking it. Mm, yeah, it's, it's, it's thought clarifying itself to itself. Ah, wonderful, yes. Um, so for, for, the, for the two people still listening, um, <laughs> <laughs> we've now arrived at becoming. Yeah. And just say whatever is, is necessary to be said about becoming. And I'll sit quietly as uh, Kratilis, the student of Heraclitus, who would no longer point at anything because pure becoming leads to uh, a weird form of stasis, interestingly, isn't it? Anyways. Yeah. Um, and so, so we've made mention of a few points already. The fact that being and nothing pass over into each other, it's not that they're passing. Um, it's like you're th- in thinking one, you are already thinking the other. It's more like in those terms we have to consider it. Um, and yet, in thinking in one and the other, the first one has utterly vanished. Nothing cannot be nothing if being is still there. So there is no remnant. There is no. Um, there is no bit. There is no behind the scenes or ahead of the scenes. Any sort of that stuff. Like if if we're thinking of a one domain here, the whole domain flips over, changes. Yeah. And Hegg calls that vanishing. But this this vanishing itself is precisely what is also vanishing. <laughs> so it's a movement that is predicated of the of the vanishing of being into nothing and nothing into being. Yeah. So as soon as you fixate on one of them, the coming ceases. Right? Yeah. So this is the, the thing coming, Hegel, yeah. this is the thing that um, Hegel is grumpy about with the classical humanities. He he doesn't let uh, being go, so to speak. Parmenides doesn't let being go. Mm-hmm. He keeps this being is... against nothing. Right? But, th- but this is what the logic does, right? In its, in its movement, I guess it's fair to say, right? Mm-hmm. What, it, yeah. what it does is it, 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 it's a letting go. It's a vanishing and a, a, a collapse, and then, but an, an, a fruitful collapse. Is that fair? It's an unfolding. Um, and everything that, you know, so being and nothing are now contained in becoming. Well we're, de- well, we're not quite at the containment phase yet. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, uh, so, so for now, there is two things happening in this paragraph. One is that yeah. we are establishing an identity between being and nothing. And the second thing is that there is a movement going on between being and nothing. I mean, between in this um, not literal sense. Um, and this will, this will turn out to be a contradiction or a paradox for becoming itself. Why? So we're, we just, um, uh, in a nutshell, uh, 
because becoming is not really becoming unless it's becoming something else. Okay, so so pure becoming. But this is yeah, this is this. We're jumping ahead, but pure becoming cannot it cannot stay pure becoming. It must become something. Yeah, or otherwise it's failing to be becoming, actively okay. un, not living up. So this is very function. important to all the, the you know the, the Paracletus never says everything is just in flux. Right? This is someone who speaks of the logos and of yeah. physics and of physics yeah. physics that likes to hide herself, etc. is not someone who says this is pure becoming. However, there is in the history of philosophy, of course, as with Gorgias and Parmenides, there is Gratulus, who was a dogmatic reader of Heracleteanism, and mm -hmm. Gratulus would not lift as much as a finger at the end of his existence because he couldn't point to anything because he thought everything was pure becoming. And then, of course, it all collapses again into nothing. You cannot name anything if you stay with pure becoming because there's nothing determinate. So pure becoming must, out of necessity, again, not to solve any problem, but out of its in, in imminent necessity, become yeah, something. Necessity, yeah. yeah, its own internal logic, Yeah, which is what thought is thinking here. Mm -hmm. um, maybe another point to pick yes. out from this paragraph is that Hegel yes. says that being and nothing are inseparable. Okay. So mm -hmm. this, I guess this follow, this is implied in the identity between the two is that, yeah, they are inseparable. So it's not that they are the, you know, actually the, they collapse into one thing, but that one necessarily passes over into the other. And this passing over occurs, or has already always occurred. It is, it is so an übergegangen well, ist, right? Yeah, so it has occurred. And, it's um, logically in the past. Well, well I, uh, uh, so there, there is no, there is no temporality involved here. Exactly. Yes, it's yeah. logically in the so, past. This is how Max Gottschalk always puts yeah, okay. it. Logically in the past. There's okay. no time. Um, the moment it's apprehended, if we, if we can use that term, uh, it is apprehended as having passed over. Mm -hmm. hmm. So, so is, is there... Yeah, go on. No, no, go on, please. Uh, no, I... I've got I was just going to say, uh, and, so, uh, and <laughs> well, you, you got being then, so it means you got a lot. You got you got becoming, and, um, and so even though um, there is this having passed over, thought nevertheless picks out the movement that is occurring, or that has occurred, and and that movement is what's called becoming. Yes, and he will, in the next paragraphs, specify this movement, and we will get into the contradiction in, in the come. What's the okay? Can you do you want to expand on that? On the contradiction in becoming. Well, it's just what I said in a nutshell form: is that 
becoming isn't becoming unless it's becoming something else. So what we're seeing is, is the imminence of thought that, that Hegel takes seriously and lets unfold here. Right? It, yeah. it's, it, it's, it's never anything coming from the outside. It's, it's always, what is it that you can call this? Of what, what would you call the sameness of being and nothing? Is what you have to call becoming, which it eminently, imminently shows itself as such. Um, it's not presupposed that this is a philosophy that's becoming or a philosophy that leads to, this is how Schelling understands Hegel, right? Is that mm -hmm. the logic moves to the idea and presupposes the absolute. Mm -hmm. But what Hegel is, sh is trying to show is that thought mm -hmm. necessarily moves towards this, but you, you cannot begin with the idea. Being will, will show itself to be the idea, yeah. but isn't the idea in its logical beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So even if, let's say Schelling is right, that Hegel does have a specific goal in mind, well, it doesn't really matter because what is important here is the logic of the steps, right? And if one step follows logically from the other, then it follows logically, and that is the demonstration. And so, so the, what the logic also then thinks is the imminence of categories. Right, it it provides just is it fair to say that it provides a justification of categories or would that would that be taking it? Um, it would maybe well yeah I suppose you can say call it a justification um, in the sense of like how that ca how certain categories come to be and yeah um, what how they are sort of grounded um, but I think at this stage is is more it's better to think of okay. Being is nothing, nothing is being, there is becoming going on, and there is a kind of, um, uh, being is complexifying itself, or it is determining itself, right? So we're starting with barren, absolute indeterminacy, and yet yeah. we are very slowly sort of uh, building or like growing a sense of, uh, Determinacy out of this abyss, or that the abyss is is itself unabyssing itself. That's striking that you said abyss, because Kant says in the first critique that the um, paraphrasing. I'm sorry, but that the absolute or the unconditioned is you know, the ultimately the unconditioned that conditions everything is ultimate. That's the utter abyss for reason. Mm -hmm. That Heidegger yeah. says in, in the contributions to philosophy, I think in a footnote somewhere, I'm not sure I, I quoted it in, in the book. Um, Heidegger says, we have to get serious with the abyss in Kant. Um, but so it's, I mean, then you obviously can ask, what does Abgrund mean in German? It's not, really abyss mm -hmm. we can get into that etymology maybe some other time well, what is chaos for the greeks right it's not it's not what we think of chaos now it, it's that's the original yawning open um mm -hmm. chaos which is very fruitful um 
always and you put you said com being is complexifying itself making itself determinant yeah which is yeah fairly crazy because there isn't any prior complexity here right we can't because we can't really say that oh complexity is there it's just like in seed form or embryonic form well if it's there before then we're not really talking about pure being are we we're talking being plus a hidden sort of seed or something happening in beneath right? but that is exactly hegel's point that no no none of those things are there there's no presuppositions here in the thought of being it radically is pure being and it is explicit to itself as that so there is no implicit things hiding you know uh, behind or elsewhere and so forth yeah so it's a, it's from yeah. this simplicity that we we sort of get a dialectic or a dynamic that just um springs forth and then from that begins the complexification yeah yeah so it and again imminently so and necessarily so and 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 it's a vanishing of the vanishing of the vanishing right that's something i remember from the lectures too um <laughs> Uh, and is there anything you would you think is you know utterly necessary to point out that we didn't touch on yet in terms of this beginning of the logic? Um, no, I don't think so. Maybe we could also just point out that. Not, nothing is here also to be thought of as not nothing alongside something else or that it is the absence of something or it is the non-being of something right hegel means nothing here in its pure undiluted sense yeah that, yes that's very important um you know because nothing could be absence or emptiness could be vacuum in a physical sense but that's yeah, not what's void. meant. Yeah. Yeah, which is then again weirdly enough measurable. <laughs> um, and it's I think my my reading of Heidegger, uh, which is quite informed by uh, Dietmar Koch in Tübingen, um, who teaches philosophy there. Um, Heidegger just thinks negativity. And, you know, it's difficult to speak of negativity. But let's just put it like this for now. Even tries to think it even more radically than Hegel, that, that Hegel takes up this task to take the, nothing seriously and negativity also, mm -hmm. um, which is, some would say, is the driving force of the logic, right? Negativity. Would you put it like this or would you put it differently? Probably not the yeah, force, it's, but... Yeah, it's... Uh, it's yeah, the driving... Um, the impulse, we can say. Of of of, uh, of huh. uh, thought, of yeah. Categories, yeah. Because what I think Heidegger thinks after, and this is for maybe another time, but when Heidegger speaks of Ereignis ist Entzug, or actually he says Entzug ist Ereignis, withdrawal is Ereignis, in what is called thinking, 
and he says this you know many other places he speaks of verborgenheit verbergung etc what hegel here speaks of is verschwinden disappearing right i think that what heidegger tries to do is to radicalize the thought of disappearing further we would have to think about how this factors into here um or, or why he does it but i think that that's um what heidegger is ultimately after is trying to think the uh, the abyss and nothingness and being as you know but also this the radical disappearance which weirdly enough leads to a higher complexity if i understood you correctly and uh, it is fruitful and and leads to a wealth mm -hmm. yeah of, of the idea of being itself yeah and not nothingness <laughs> yeah so um Yeah, it's important to distinguish vanishing and nothingness at this point, right? Yes, uh, yeah, yeah. As I think you do. Um, and, and from what we've read, we've only sort of seen how, we've only understood that one is, has vanished into its opposite, right? And so we are, we are here only picking out one of the moments in becoming. In the later paragraphs, Hegel will, will speak about the other moment, which is um, coming to be. Because when we talk about vanishing here, it sounds like we are uh, focusing on a moment of ceasing to be, right? Being in, being also in, uh, being nothing yeah. has ceased to be, and nothing has ceased to be nothing in being being, right? But then there is this also this opposite um, impulse or drive, which is coming to be. Yes. So becoming proper will be made up of these dual moments which will also set the stage for its own contradiction. Which is what? Again, what's the contradiction? Tell me. Uh, me. As Kant enlightened us about thought. <laughs> And it's presupposition. Uh, so the, I think the insight here is that um, the two ha are necessarily in, inseparable, that coming to be is also a ceasing to be, and a ceasing to be is a coming to be. Yeah. You cannot have one without the other. These are yeah. moments of becoming. And if you take one out of the other, you don't have the becoming proper. I think what we should talk about some other time is, is what I'm really interested in is, is finitude. What, so, becomes yeah. what, become, what becomes of this? <laughs> finitude, all right. Uh, yeah, we're some ways away from that, but uh, maybe I know, in but a couple of years. <laughs> Yeah, if we if we go through the logic at this speed, yes, yeah. and it, it, it'll be in some some point in, in eternity. But no, I mean, finitude is very important. Death and finitude and the infinite does does ewige, uh in in Hegel, and then of course also freedom from this uh, mm -hmm. arriving from this. Um, but yes. Let me know if there's anything else you'd like to to add. Maybe I can add a quote that yes. I think captures the 
the sense. Uh, let me just fetch it quickly here. Yeah. Okay, so much later in the logic, Hegel writes, the ripest maturity, the highest stage that anything can attain is the one at which, which its fall begins. Say this again, it's the stage at which its fall begins. Genau, yeah. <laughs> okay. So this is sort of the thing we've been doing here in this at the very beginning of the logic we are thinking being and we are purifying it we're thinking it absolutely pure right in the moment we have pure being we have nothing and if we are thinking undiluted absolute nothing we have being again. so there is a sense in which thinking of these terms purely they are letting, they are impurifying themselves out of their own accord. Because nothing is being added to them. Nothing is being applied, right? There is no ready framework here. So the, <laughs> the fruit, like the highest fruition of, of pure being is nothing. Can you say, can you read this quote again? The ripest maturity, the highest stage that anything can attain is the one at which its fall begins. And yeah, this is a passage from the concept logic. Yes, Begriffslogik. It's ultimately a very Greek, sorry, Greek way of thinking. Um, it's also very Christian. It's teleological, no? It, it thinks from the end. And I think we, we also have to understand then, maybe this is taking it too far, but maybe I'll just throw this in there, is that when Hegel speaks supposedly of the end of history or at the end of art and all these other notions that get thrown around so much, yeah. um, we have to be very careful what actually is meant by the word das Ende or the, the, the pastness of art and what it means, and this is also what, what, you know, when Heidegger says, for example, das Ende der Philosophie, the end of philosophy, he says at the same time, it's, it's now beginning. This is when it begins. Mm -hmm. And so again, there's this necessity in thought that, that Heidegger is an heir to in his thinking, and he pushes this thinking further and sees an end in philosophy itself, but that mm -hmm. means that it's now becoming fruitful at the same time finding of course also dangerous um, fertile fertile yes yeah. yeah fruchtbar yeah genau that was a good quote it's in the Begriffslogik so so the way I'm thinking about this is also in uh, I think there's a lot of Christian um, uh, legacy packed into this thinking here about um, Garden of Eden and the whole Genesis passage, but also the overall sort of concept of Christianity where God goes down and becomes mortal, right? So the highest divine has to enter into and become embodied, has to become ugly, filthy, and so forth. And finite, mortal. That's the yeah, finite, mortal. mortal. And so there is a sense in which I think if we do a talk on 
finitude and infinity. Yeah. The truly infinite is not separate from the finite. It is infinite in and through the finite. That's when it becomes infinite. Yes. Now, because, you know, understanding this important quote appropriately, I think opens up and you know, gets rid of the, the, the pop cultural Hegel uh, very quickly. Um, but also, I th you know, being a bit Heideggerian sometimes, my thinking, of course, is it, it just points to what, what Heidegger is always saying, even the now says, it's also thinking is only just beginning. It's only just beginning because it's now, yeah. it's actually now, right? And Heidegger says this in the Freiburger Vorträge, in the Freiburg, Freiburg Talks in 1957. He says it in Identity and Difference. He says, it took thinking 2,000 years to arrive at the question, how is it that we can say A is A? It's Kahn, Fichte, and Schelling, and Hegel, and Hölderlin on, on, on another plateau uh, yeah. who, who prepare this that, that that this is what enlightenment means it doesn't mean you know, we're marching gloriously towards uh, ever better materialistic conditions as someone else thought uh, the aufklärung kant's kant clears up thought about itself that, that's aufklärung mm -hmm. that's enlightenment yeah and this this is what the science of logic is it's uh, thoughts on inner enlightenment Coming enlightened about itself as thought. Yeah. So, in, so in, you're gonna, yeah, yeah, you can say it's pure philosophy, right? This is not philosophy of X. It's uh, just philosophy about itself. It's well, that, that, thought about itself. Yeah. I'll say this. This is my doxa, my opinion. There is no philosophy of. <laughs> this, this, these are um, derivative. To this, and especially, I mean, in the, in the, I mean, in the very contemporary sense, right? Mm -hmm. I don't mean an aesthetics uh, or anything like this. I mean a, a, a philosophy so-called of medicine, for example, mm -hmm. uh, that, that simply re reads, you know, compares or makes sure that concepts are used appropriately. Um, that, that's I don't know what it is, but it's not a philosophy of art in a Hegelian or Heideggerian or Nietzschean sense, even. Um, I don't think that no, it, it's, it, it doesn't give us anything to apply. It's, it's, it's thought is content with itself, but, and we must, we're on the earth not to touch stuff, but to grasp conceptually and, and reason. And that strangely enough, if that's appropriately thought through that trans translates into deed, but it's not like I can just, take an excerpt from Kant and wildly apply it to some situation, if you see. I'm just making this, this point because this is what I'm seeing happening with two philosophy, right? It's just, mm -hmm. let's just yeah. take this ism and that ism and let's just walk through a yeah. metaphysical supermarket and, and take whatever quote I like from this and that. Uh, this yeah, happens yeah, in yeah. academia just as much as yeah, outside yeah. academia. Yeah, so um, let me just clarify what I meant in the philosophy of X. So I use, I'm using Hegel's thinking about it here. And um, so when, because Hegel has a thing called philosophy of nature and then he has a thing called philosophy of spirit, guys. Right? Yeah, but that's different from... Yeah, so, from so, the, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so the difference is that he's not 
um, devising a, some sort of schema that he was going to intend yes. to imply, apply upon something else. No, no. He is trying to figure out the rationality of the subject matter in question and take that rationality and dis- uh, figure out its logic on its own terms, right? And so in the case of nature, he's going to take space, time, matter, um, Mm. Uh, mechanics, uh, chemical, uh, ca- chemical stuff, uh, yeah. organic life, uh, yes. animals, etc. Right. So mm-hmm. all of these things are uh, um, taken from the empirical sciences and their discoveries. Right. But what Hegel is doing with regards to that is he's trying to de- to um, discover their inner developmental logic, their inner rationality. And so mm-hmm. there is no way in which this can then become applicable back to the empirical sciences. No, no. It is for our own self-understanding and our own place in, you know, being that that this this is being done. Hmm. Yeah. Wonderful. That's yeah. It's uh yeah, thank you. Truth is its own end. Yes. Truth is its own end. It's not a means to. Yes, exactly. I and mean, this is something yeah. that that you know we talked about often at Warwick. Is truth is unitary, and you can participate in it, but it's not, it's not like you. Uh, yeah. So thanks for that. <laughs>